Hi everyone, it is now 5 p.m. on this Wednesday evening in Kingston, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share, be sure to contact me via email at news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, you're listening to Today in YGK with your host, Alexandra Fernandez on CFRC 101.9 FM. Today in our virtual studio with me, I have Kevin Morehouse of the Museum of Healthcare at Kingston to discuss the recent news of the museum being a contributor to a new heritage minute for the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin. So let's welcome Kevin to CFRC. How um, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, so before we before we jump into it, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and as well as your role at the Museum of Healthcare? For sure, yeah. So my official role at the Museum of Healthcare is museum manager and program director. So I kind of have two roles at the museum. I'm in charge of both the, um, some people might call it the boring stuff. I know I like doing it, the uh, administrative <laughs> end of it. So things like doors open, lights on, um, you know, doing things like accounting, emails, phone calls, uh, doing that kind of thing, training, onboarding. That's sort of my museum manager part. And then my program director part uh, is more of the, the fun stuff at the museum. So developing things like uh, outdoor tours, education programs, uh, dealing with our summer staff that do a lot of our uh, outdoor programming and that kind of thing. As you can imagine, that's been pretty difficult over the past year, but we're, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to getting back into it as the summer comes along. So That's good. Um, so for any listeners who, you know, may be a little bit unaware, um, what exactly is the Museum of Healthcare at Kingston? And like you were saying, you kind of manage like the exhibitions, the programs and tours. Can you kind of talk about those things that you offer a little bit more? For sure. Yeah. So the Museum of Healthcare at Kingston is uh, one of the only dedicated um, heritage organizations solely dedicated to telling the story of health and healthcare history. Um, So I guess I should maybe back up and say, well, where are we? And that's always a good um, question to start with. You've probably seen the museum before if you live anywhere close to Queens campus or anywhere close to KGH. Um, if you're walking down George Street, which you probably have, even though you might not know the name of it, um, big giant red building right smack dab in the middle of the close to the hospital. So that's us. Um, and inside the museum, we have 11 different uh, exhibits and galleries that tell the stories of health and healthcare. So um, we tell stories of what it was like to uh, become a nurse in the early 1900s and how changed over the years. Uh, we tell the story of uh, World War I nurses and doctors. We tell the stories of um, uh, in immunization and sort of epidemics in and around, obviously pretty uh, pretty current given everything that's going on, <laughs> yeah. um, as well as things like our biggest gallery, the Century Gallery, talking about flipping from uh, the turn of the 1800s into the 1900s and this big uh, change that happened during the 1800s and everything like that. So um, that is sort of our gallery. And we also usually, or I guess normally, offer things like outdoor guided tours, uh, indoor gallery tours, virtual education programs. This year, we're hoping to do some camp education programs. So we've got a bunch of different things going 
going. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that we have over 35,000 healthcare related objects in our collection at the museum. Wow. So um, that is in the basement of the museum, the part that usually people don't see. Um, and those objects span all the way back to the 1700s until now. And it's the largest collection in Canada. So. Wow, that's amazing. Um, just to follow, um, just to follow up to that, um, you know, with the potential of like um, life going somewhat back to normal or at least like reopening this summer, are there, um, is there anything that people can maybe look forward to, to attend either virtually or in person at that fact um, this summer? For sure, yeah. Um, as you can imagine, we've been trying to figure out what uh, we can do as the Museum of Healthcare when things are open and closed and, and how we can manage that. So we think we've come up with a, with a couple of good ideas. So uh, for starters, we're going to start to offer outdoor guided tours uh, of the surrounding area. So telling healthcare history stories from sort of a different lens, not in the museum, but sort of the history in and around some of the histories of the Queen's campus and the Queen's Medical School and KGH and how it got its start and everything. So we're going to start doing that hopefully uh, at the start of July. Um, so that's our plan there. We're also going to be offering virtual uh, gallery tours. So things where we can pose in videos of some of our exhibits. So people who can't get here or at least uh, want to sort of see us from the safety of their own home, they can see that. We're going to be doing camp education programs. So reaching out to sort of summer camps and summer programs and doing education programs there. Uh, and we're trying to really beef up our social media presence too. So we're going to be doing a lot of small videos about interesting objects and interesting collections that we have. Um, and as always, you can always see our online uh, object collection, which is available. It's free. It has um, over 15,000 artifacts that are cataloged wow. on and you can get to it on our website. So Awesome. Definitely a lot um, to look forward to and to do. Um, so the beef of this conversation, um, in a recent release, it was um, announced that the Museum of Healthcare is a contributor to the newest Heritage Minute um, for the discovery of insulin, which was 100 years ago. So can you tell us more about the Kingston Museum's involvement in this exciting initiative? For sure, yeah. Um, so I guess I'll probably maybe tell the story of how it got its start, because we were in contact create the, um, the Heritage Minutes. And they originally contacted us because they knew about us from a previous couple of projects they had been doing. They contacted mm -hmm. us, specifically our collections manager, Kathy, uh, and said, you know, we're putting together this Heritage Minute. We've got all of these things laid out. We'd like to know your opinion on if the objects we are using are historically accurate, if you could suggest any changes. Um, can you take a look at some of this footage? Do you think this works? And if it doesn't work? So Kathy, our collections manager, is, as you can imagine, and probably a pretty good, um, uh, she's a pretty big expert in the field. Uh, so she gave them a lot of uh, interesting bits of information and changes. Maybe you should use this instead of that. This is not historically accurate. It would have been made out of this instead of that. A lot of the instruments that you would see in the minute that we're talking about, um, Kathy had her hand in that saying, you know, this would work better than this and this would work better than that. Um, so that's sort of how it got its start. And we were very happy for them to reach out because we're, you know, we've got this giant we would love to use for stuff people just looking at it and everything in between so mm -hmm. and is this the um like would you know if this is the first like heritage minute that has um like that the museum has been involved with or have there been like other things too that um We've, we've been involved with a lot of um, sort of, I'm, I'm going to say a production level stuff. So, you know, right. for TV 
our, our, our movies and films and stuff like that. Um, usually it's, it's some small questions, you know, hi, we were looking to use this. Do you think this would work? Yes or no. Or um, we're looking to look for one of these to use in a video. Do you have one that maybe we could borrow, you know, sort of like a prop related thing. Right. Um, but this, this heritage minute, we were, I think Kathy is very happy to say that she was a little bit more involved than we normally are with stuff like this. Um, because of the museum and the size, we can't really um, welcome people into the museum that often. So we're always happy that we can consult in such a way like this. We can really share our stories and our knowledge with these things. That stuff that we take such a long time to research, we're glad that places like this show to talk to us about it. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I guess that kind of ties into my the next question I was going to ask, which is like, you know, why is it really important and I guess momentous for the museum and the people involved um, in a project like this with Historica and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe to, to add on to that, too, yeah. um, the you know, it's always we only have a, a certain we have a limited space and a limited number of staff members to tell such interesting stories about healthcare history. Um, a lot of people hear healthcare history and I I'm not crazy enough to think that some people might think that's not the most exciting topic in the world. Um, but after we start to tell stories and after we have people reached out to us and people talking to us about um, some of the stories that we're trying to share, things like the Heritage Minute allow us to provide our expertise and help out another uh, bigger project of things that we haven't got to ourselves yet. So we don't have an exhibit on insulin right now, but we're really happy that we can else's perspective about insulin you know the it's the 100th anniversary of insulin this year and i know that um there's a lot of different big projects going on defining moments canada somebody we've worked with in the past before is working on a, a fairly sizable project with that regard um so we're happy that we can tie ourselves into those things and offer a little bit of a consulting with stuff that we don't have time to tackle all the way on our end if that makes sense right for sure um, and, you know, with this Heritage Minute and stuff, how can people watch it and access it? For sure. The easiest way to get to the Heritage Minute is just to go to Historica's YouTube channel. Um, just go on there. You may see it on TV. You might accidentally see it uh, by accident. I know that um, when I was younger as a kid, uh, those Heritage Minutes were always in the commercial breaks of all the TV shows that I was watching. Yeah. So that's why I, I always remember those. So you might accidentally see it. Uh, but if you want to see it ahead of accidentally seeing it, um, you could just look on uh, Historica's YouTube channel. That's that's where it would be. And if you go on their YouTube channel, you, you can go on sort of a a bunch of the other ones that they've made. I know that that's sent me down a rabbit hole when I went there. So mm -hmm, for sure. Um, and also, how can people learn more about the programs that um, the museum's offering virtually in person over the summer? Hopefully, in person. Fingers crossed. Um, and how can people just keep up with the museum? Gotcha. Um, so there's there's a bunch of different ways to try and make it as easy as possible. Um, if you just Google Museum of Healthcare, you'll find a lot of the things I'm about to say. But um, our website, museumofhealthcare.ca, is probably the easiest one, sort of a portal to all the other things. Um, that online collection that I mentioned, you can find a link through our museum uh, website, museumofhealthcare.ca. We also have a blog, uh, museumofhealthcare.blog, where we tell a lot of those stories that we don't have, you know, exhibit development time to tell but lots of interesting creative stories one of our research fellows has just started so they're starting to post some some new blog posts on there uh, and then just checking our social media so if you google museum of healthcare if you search it on things like twitter or facebook grammar on all that stuff and what we try and do is share different bits of content on different social media platforms so okay. make sure to check instagram or facebook because they're not always the same thing we try and do that as uh, as, as a bonus for people who are looking at different ones so 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining me today to um, discuss this um, exciting news, the Heritage Minute that um, the Museum of Healthcare has been involved with, um, and just also telling us about the awesome programming that the museum offers. Thank you so much. Thanks. We, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to having everybody back and, and telling, bringing the story of health and healthcare life, hopefully this summer. Mm -hmm, definitely. Thanks again. to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hopefully you folks have been having a good day and loving the amazing weather that we've had so far. It looks like it's going to be pretty warm for the rest of the week. Unfortunately, tomorrow is bringing in some rain pretty much throughout most of the day. Um, it'll still be pretty warm though tomorrow with a high of 18 and a low of 13, but you know what? Throughout this whole weekend, you can expect mid-20s, which is awesome, and heading into next week, we expect some high 20s. So it's really starting to feel like summer out there and stuff, which is really, really great. We have a couple news updates for you folks. So some exciting news, I guess. Um, while COVID-19 initially impacted production in Ontario, film and television production has been permitted to operate under COVID 19 safety protocols, which have been outlined in Section 21 um, Health and Safety Guidelines in summer 2020. The guidelines were created by the Section 21 Film and Television Health and Safety Advisory Committee, which is a public and private advisory body to the Ministry of Labor, Training, and Skills Development, pursuant to Section 21 of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. These enhanced guidelines have proven effective because between on October 2020 and March 2021, studio productions in Ontario administered more than 132,938 PCR tests with an overall positivity rate of only 0.06%, which is really low. The guidelines provide protocols for all aspects of production, which includes buying, camera operation, construction, food, hair and makeup, and wardrobe, locations and studios, performers, post-production, technicians, and transportation, which includes productions operate under a COVID-19 safety plan that is reviewed and approved by the Kingston Film Office as well as KFLNA Public Health, dedicated production assigned COVID safety officers for each production, COVID-19 testing of cast, crew, and film office staff up to three times weekly, medical grade safety equipment including PPE, physical distancing at all times within a zone-based system on set, and a restricted number of performers permitted on set. The province's three-step roadmap to reopening permits film and television production at each step of reopening, which is great. Information on the province's COVID-19 safety program for the film and television industry can be found at onreadytoroll.ca. We've been very limited as to which productions we can allow. Productions must meet the crucial COVID-19 safety requirements, so we're mostly seeing larger studio productions, says Alex Jansen, who's the film commissioner. The first notable production to shoot in Kingston under the COVID-19 guidelines was season two of Lock and Key last November. More recently, we are hosting productions with Amazon and Paramount. Since the Kingston Film Office was established in 2018, the city has increasingly become the sought-after location for film and television production and is projected to see record levels of production this year. It is estimated that film and television production in Kingston will generate a direct spend in the community of upwards of a million dollars in 2021. So that's really good news for not only Kingston and bringing tourism, but also bringing in some amazing money into our economy. 
Kingston Community Health Centers have announced the launch of the Butterfly Away Project, an initiative of the David Suzuki Foundation, inspired by a, design, by a desire to reconnect our isolated community in a way that is both fun and COVID safe. This movement is creating habitat for local bees and butterflies in communities throughout Canada. Stephanie Wheeler, who's the Butterfly Way Ranger for Kingston Rideau Heights neighborhood, says, we can all help fill our neighborhoods with native wildflowers that support pollinating insects and connect the community in a collective activity that is done individually. To participate, residents are encouraged to start small by adding native plants to their gardens or even go large and grow a pollinator's paradise. People with balconies or small areas may want to consider a planter to keep things buzzing. The options are limitless and the goal is to just have fun and bring the community together through a shared activity. Residents are also encouraged to create a sign for their pollinator patch, identifying it as a butterfly way and invite others to create their own as well. Wheeler adds that there are many ways to be involved, from small plantings to becoming deputy butterflyway rangers. Her team has put together a native plant guide and would be happy to provide more information and guidance to anyone who is interested. And if you want more information, you can reach out to Stephanie Wheeler at stephaniew at kch.ca. That's just S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-W at kchc.ca. The city's Department of Planning Services has released a unique new discussion paper entitled The Power of Parking, a New Parking Peridigium for Kingston. The paper, now online, starts and supports an important new public conversation about how parking powerfully affects every aspect of how the city is built. It includes big strategic new ideas that could lead to a potentially very different approach to how parking is regulated in the city's upcoming new zoning bylaw. We need this candid new conversation across our city about the critical role that parking plays and more specifically our parking regulations play and the success or failure of our vital public interest goals, says Paige Agnew, who's the Commissioner of Community Services. The goal is to change the way everyone looks at parking in our city, she continues to say. Those key public goals include climate change and pollution mitigation, improved affordability, better social equity, lower public infrastructure costs, a healthier post-pandemic economic recovery, and more inviting, healthy, and sustainable choices around how we live and get around. The usual challenge with talking about parking in Kingston or in any city is that such conversations are usually really boring, overly technical, and overcomplicated, plus almost entirely disconnected from the city's larger visions and goals, says planning consultant and co-author Brent Tudorian. We want to directly connect the dots between parking and those big important city goals for the first time and discuss innovative new ideas and options, learning from and potentially inspiring cities across Ontario and Canada in a simple and easily understandable way, says Laura Flaherty, who is the project manager of planning services. There are a few things we could do as a city that would have a bigger effect on whether we achieve council strategic priorities than reconsidering how we do parking. Priorities like the city's goal to become the most sustainable city in Canada, addressing council's climate change emergency declaration, and supporting the affordability recommendations from the mayor's task force on housing, says Agnew. The paper examines the true cost of parking, including the many public costs and consequences of providing too much parking. For example, too much parking significantly raises the costs and reduces the affordability of housing, actually encourages more cars and 
car ownership and driving significantly increases the GHG emissions and pollution from both driving and building construction and makes designing better streets and neighborhoods with more choices for people much harder. Although the paper doesn't make final recommendations, changes, or decisions on its own, it starts a discussion on important ideas like reducing or even eliminating parking minimums, creating parking maximums to prevent too much parking, using parking incentives to achieve smart strategic outcomes like better and more secure bike parking, car share spaces, and electric vehicle plug-in infrastructure, and creating a new framework for accessible spaces while ensuring accessible parking isn't reduced. The public can speak about this paper at a special public meeting of planning committee scheduled for 6 p.m. on Wednesday, June 23rd. Meetings are held virtually on the Zoom platform with a call-in option available. Meetings are also live-streamed on YouTube, and you can learn more on the planning committee webpage. As well, residents can also share questions and comments online at cityofkingston.ca slash getinvolved. But if you would like to learn more, you can go to cityofkingston.ca website as well, go to City Hall, Committees, Boards, and then the Planning Committee, and you can find the information there. And the meetings will be live-streamed, like I said, they'll be on Zoom, but you can also access them through the Kingston City Council YouTube page. During National Accessibility Week, which is this week, the City of Kingston is inviting you to connect with its efforts to improve accessibility and let it know where you have noticed barriers to access. National Accessibility Week is an opportunity to celebrate the strides we've made towards creating an inclusive community that allows for full participation by all. It's also an acknowledgement that we have more work to do, so we invite residents to report any barriers they come across, says Janet Janes, Deputy City Clerk who works with the Municipal Accessibility Advisory Committee. You and or your organization can mark Accessibility Week by connecting with the city's efforts to improve accessibility as suggested below, and you can also get ideas to plan efforts of your own to make everyone feel welcome everywhere. You can review the city's 2018 to 2022 multi-year accessibility plan. MAC is responsible for updating this plan, which includes strategies to help make Kingston more accessible to residents and visitors and ensure the accessibility standards under the AODA are fully implemented by 2025. Notice infrastructure and features that enhance access and invite inclusion. New videos on the City of Kingston YouTube channel show city spaces that have improved access, including neighborhood parks and the new cultural space in the market wing of City Hall. You can also sign up for the accessibility email newsletter to stay updated on accessibility news initiatives and projects to improve access to municipal programs and facilities. Subscribers also receive the weekly traffic report which outlines planned work to roads, sidewalks, and paths that may impact accessibility. You can also report barriers you encounter while accessing municipal services by calling 613-546-0000 or you can also submit online a request for accessibility barriers that you may come across by just going to cityofkingston.ca slash cityhall slash contact us. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM and this is your weekly traffic report brought to you by CFRC and the City of Kingston. This is for May 28th until June 4th. On Colburn Street from Division to Chatham will be closed until 7 p.m. until July 30th for construction staging. On Garrett Street near Division will be closed until June 30th for construction staging as well, but local traffic may access Garrett from University. John F. Scott Road on Highway 15 to Middle it will be closed 7 a.m. June 1st to 5 p.m. on June 3rd to allow CN Rail to rehabilitate the crossing. On Johnson Street from Napier to Toronto will be closed until July 9th for water and sewer reconstruction by a contractor on behalf of Utilities Kingston. 
Mapdenell Street from Brock to Earl will be closed until June 11th for water and sewer reconstruction by a contractor on behalf of Utilities Kingston. And Mapdenell Street from Brock to Johnson will be closed until June 4th for water and sewer reconstruction. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. on June 2nd and from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on June 4th to accommodate filming in the area. Old Quarry Road at Portsmouth will be closed from June 2nd to June 11th to accommodate sewer installation as well as improvements. On Portsmouth Avenue from Hampstead Heath to Princess as well as Princess to Howard Crescent will be closed to north and southbound traffic. Detour routes will be in place and this closure is to accommodate sewer installation as well as improvements. There are also some delays in the area in the Bay Ridge West area. In Frost, Wembley, Carnaby and Fleet, you can expect daytime lane closures through June 30th while crews rehabilitate the roadway and curbs. On Calvin Park, Granville Park, Hillendale, Polson Park and Stracona Park, you can expect local traffic disruptions and minor detours into the summer as a contractor prepares to line sewer mains on behalf of Utilities Kingston. Please follow signage and yield to oncoming traffic as required. On Grenadier Drive at Winfield Crescent, you can expect delays to allow the construction of the Kingston East Community Centre site. Flaggers will direct traffic. On Highway 15 at Gore Road, work is scheduled 7 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. daily. You can expect minor delays to lane reductions to accommodate road and active transportation infrastructure improvements. Lane reductions will take place outside of rush hour if possible. And also on Highway 15 from Washburn Road to Sunbury Road, you can expect single lane reductions until November to accommodate the Rideau Canal backwater culvert project. On Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Ontario Highway updates are offered by the Ministry of Transportation. From King Street at Beverly, you can expect lane restrictions from on May 30th from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. to Utilities Kingston crews to complete electrical work. Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but remains open in both directions. John Counter Boulevard from Princess to Indian, you can expect delays until the summer of 2021. While crews complete work associated with the road widening project, turtle fencing and water mains. King Street West from Collingwood to Lower University, you can expect delays over the next few weeks as utilities Kingston crews replace hydro poles in the area. Ontario Street from William to Princess, you can expect lane closures until Friday, June 4th is indicated to allow a contractor on behalf of utilities to clean and inspect the sanitary sewer as part of the trunk sewer rehabilitation project. From William to Clarence, there will be a lane closure until May 28th, Johnson to Brock. Brock to Princess will be lane closure until June 4th. And side streets off Ontario Street to King, you can expect traffic disruptions, lane restrictions, and parking space closures until June 5th to allow a contractor on behalf of Utilities Kingston to clean and inspect the sanitary sewer. Portsmouth Avenue from Old Quarry Road to Princess, expect delays until the end of June. Princess Street at Portsmouth Avenue until June 15th, Princess will be down to a single lane at Portsmouth in both directions and all turns will be restricted and linear traffic flow through the intersection will be maintained. Um, also on Princess Street from Bagot to Wellington, you can expect the south side lane to be closed until Friday, June 4th to accommodate roof repairs. And also at Princess Street at Wellington, you can expect brief lane restrictions until same day, Friday, June 4th, as Utilities Kingston completes work in an underground vault on the northwest corner. 
From Sir John A. Macdonald Boulevard from Dalton to John Counter, you can expect delays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. until June 4th as crews seal cracks in the road. There is also the third crossing bridge, which has construction impacts. From Highway 15 at Gore, you can expect delays as the pieces of the main span of the bridge arrive. And then also for the third crossing bridge, John Counter and Sir John A. Macdonald Boulevards, you can expect short delays as bridge girders arrive. Tracks expected early afternoon will turn onto Sir John A. Macdonald from Highway 401 and then east onto John Counter to get to the bridge site. In the university campus area, you can expect delays due to lane closures on the following streets, Beverly, Collingwood, St. Lawrence, and Lower University. For your sidewalks and pathways, at Grenadier Drive at Winfield Crescent, you can expect construction around the Kingston East Community Center side. The 100-foot park pathway um, is closed as the city readies to repair the lower pedestrian bridge. The parkway northerly to Portsmouth and north end to William Hackett Park will be closed until August 30th to accommodate construction. And there are also a couple parking disruptions this week. Um, Ontario Brock lot will be reduced to about half the lot because of filming as well as the courthouse lot June 2nd and June 3rd. Parking will be reduced to about half the lot as well. But that's your weekly traffic report. For more news updates, you can go to cfrc.ca slash news. That was your weekly traffic report for the week of June 1st. Um, hope you have a good week, folks, and thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.